we're gonna kind of go chronologically through his journey. He's got one of the best, if not the best, redemption arcs, character arcs, and all of fiction. And then you've got Azula and, and Ozai on the other shoulder as the devil. A lot of movies and shows would use one of the many things that they use for Zuko's character arc to have him reach his ultimate destination. But instead, Avatar uses all of them, and that's what makes it so good. Let's talk about the Zuka-Azula fight at the, the end battle there, because that kind of, to me, completes the whole character arc, the character journey. Welcome to Backseat Directing, where we talk about movies, TV shows, comics, and more. We're your hosts, Andrew and Aaron, and we put out new episodes every Monday and Thursday. And on this episode, we're discussing Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. Three, two, one. Find the Avatar! <laughs> I couldn't think of what it was. <laughs> Capture the avatar. Capture the avatar. Apparently we <laughs> We'll just leave it. It's fine. No big deal. You got you basically got it. At least you got some of the words. Yeah, that was that was clean. That was clean. <laughs> so what we're doing for this episode is what I kind of have been thinking in my mind called a, a character dissection. We're gonna like get into the mind of Prince Zuko from Avatar The Last Airbender. We're gonna, what we're gonna do is, we're gonna kinda go chronologically through his journey. He's got one of the best, if not the best, redemption arcs, character arcs, and all of fiction. Yep. So we're gonna go from his childhood. He's on my show. team for the last fictional character draft that we did. But I'm the one who drafted him. Yeah, but he was on my team. <laughs> but Aaron took it because of the wild cards. <laughs> but we're, so we're gonna go through that and kind of along the way, hitting the big plot points of his journey and trying to think about what informed his different decisions and what character traits and what uh, different things in his past led to the decisions and the actions that he took throughout the story. So this should be a lot of fun because I try to think about this kind of stuff while I watch the show, but I feel like as we talk about it, we'll kind of get better insight like back and forth. Yeah, for sure. So where does he start? Where does Zuko start out? So I want to start actually before the beginning of the show in a flashback that we get later on uh, where he's a child and his mom is still around. His, his, so Zuko's mother's name is Ursa. Um, his father is Fire Lord Ozai. If you're not... <laughs> hey, Alex. <laughs> Welcome to the camera. So if you're not familiar with Avatar Last Airbender, it takes place in this world where certain people have the ability to bend elements. There's four elements earth, fire, water, and air. And then there's the Avatar who can bend all four elements as a special spiritual connection. In the story of Avatar Last Airbender, the Fire Nation has created and brought an imbalance to the world by, through imperialism, taking over the world, basically, going after the airbenders, trying to uh, take siege onto the other nations of water and earth that are now left with the air nomads completely wiped out. Uh, so the story here with Zuko is that he is a prince of the Fire Nation. His father is Fire Lord Ozai. As I mentioned, mother is Ursa. Um, and he is a young prince when we start in this flashback. He's kind of really just a simple child like anyone else. I mean, he has royalty, but they're having fun and playing games in the courtyard. He argues with his sister like a lot of siblings would. Uh, he's very close with his mother, whereas his sister... Azula is obviously a lot more close with their father, who at the time in the flashback is Prince Ozai. Now, um, I think we get a lot of details here in this flashback. Avatar does a really good job of packing a lot of details into a small amount of space. But Zuko, even early on, he's kind of misguided. Um, he's, we see him shooting fire at turtle ducks and, say, and making a joke out of it, saying, Mom, this is how Azula pl would play with turtle ducks. But his mom kind of instills the moral compass in him that we see later on in the series as the warring two sides of him. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily in his nature to be evil or villainous or mean like he is with the turtle ducks, but it is inherently part of him. I think a part that he um, inherited from his father, Ozai, who is in every way plainly despicable. I mean, I don't think they, throughout the series, show a redeeming trait to Ozai. Can you recall anything like that? No, it's, it's kind of like the nature versus nurture, right? Like, yeah. there's some part of your personality that you're just born with, but then a lot of it has to do with, like, the environment around you. And that's kind of where all that rage and, and whatnot comes from, is trying to impress his dad to where 
at the end of the day, he earns his dad's love. And I think at the same time, it also <laughs> leads to his biggest insecurity too. Like we see in that flashback um, in front of, it's Sozin, is it Sozin at the time? Or is it Sozin's son? Either way, the current Fire Lord, mm -hmm. they have kind of this familial meeting because Ozai wants to have words with his father. And the first thing they do is they show off Azula's skills because Azula is, as Fire Lord Oza says, a true prodigy. And then Zuko steps up because one of his defining traits that we'll get to in a moment here is pride. And he steps up in wanting to prove himself and kind of embarrasses himself and falls flat. Yeah, um, it reminds me a lot of you. <laughs> every time I try, this is him doing it to me right now. <laughs> Embarrassing me. But um, no, but he, he falls flat on his face. Who comes to comfort him? Ursa. Um, Ozai is obviously embarrassed, but we, we see a lot of things displayed in very, very simple interactions here. Again, Avatar the show packing a lot in in a small amount of space. We see um, the, how close the Ursa and, and Zuko are, whereas Ozai is obviously much closer to Azula, who he's more proud of. And then we see um, that Zuko kind of that, forming that insecurity I talked about, where he's he's prideful, but also it's kind of a... Uh, what, what would they call that? It's a defense mechanism, his pride, because he's insecure right. about being inferior to Azula, uh, insecure about not living up to his father's expectations, or maybe even the entire Fire Nation's expectations. Because when your father's the strong, potentially the strongest firebender in the world, you have a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders inherently. But um, the big thing that we see at the end of this flashback is um, Ozai makes an attempt to take the throne from his brother Iroh, when, when the news comes through that Iroh's son has died and he's returning defeated from Ba Sang Se, Ozai suggests to his father that he skip Iroh in line, basically, and become the next Fire Lord. And in rage, the Fire Lord says that he should have a suffering equal to that of Iroh. He should know the, the pain of losing a firstborn son, is what Azula tells us later on, because she was hiding in the meeting. Um, but... Ursa, kind of seeing what this plan formulating that Zuko is going to be killed basically as an act of, of vengeance toward Ozai, she sets her own plan in motion, makes a deal with Ozai where my interpretation of it um, might be different than other people's or, or yours, but I think it seems pretty obvious that the deal is made where she undertakes some kind of task that whether directly or indirectly leads to the death of the Fire Lord so that Ozai can then usurp and take power from there in a, in a moment of weakness in the monarchy. So, and, and in doing that act, what they, they call treason, they say that Ozai later when he's talking to Zuko says, your mother committed a treasonous act that um, led to her banishment. And then, which, which you know, it's kind of open to interpretation, but I think basically she led to the death of the current Fire Lord, Ozai took power. She got banished, she's gone, she's still alive out there somewhere in the world. And her sacrifice there, the last thing she says to Zuko is a line, something like, no matter how much you change, never forget who you are. So she recognizes the inherent good in him, and she wants him to hold on to that. And she knows with her gone, he's definitely going to be pulled in different directions, potentially led astray. And she's begging him to, to stay true to himself. So I think those words we see in that flashback are something that hang in Zuko's mind over time as we go on throughout the show. Because the theme that we're going to talk about through this redemption arc as we really get into it is... Zuko's basically internal war. He's being pulled in two different directions from within, and he's being pulled in two different directions externally from environmental forces. He basically has like an angel and devil on his shoulder throughout the entire series. And the mother is like one of those angels on his shoulder. You've got them, you've got Ursa and Oza, or, I'm sorry, Ursa and Iroh on one side as the angels on his shoulder. And then you've got Azula and, and Ozai on the other shoulder as the devil. And her being gone clearly led him down this road where he ends up in the first episode of the, uh, episode of the show being a villain. Um, but there's one more flashback that I want to talk about before we actually get to the beginning of Avatar even still, because they, they do such a good job with the flashbacks of forming <laughs> the character. Um, but do you, so he, I feel bad because I'm talking so much. No, uh, keep feel going. free to interrupt <laughs> me if you have like an interjection. But um, the other flashback, hugely important. Uh, so this, along with the Zuko alone episode, I think are kind of two of the biggest landmarks in the development of this character arc. So the flashback where Zuko gets his scar, and this is something he mm -hmm. wears on his face in front of everybody throughout the entirety of the show, a huge part of his character. He gets the scar because he wants to join in on the war room. He wants to become an informed prince and make his father proud, and, and he wants to 
he wants to join in on what's going to be his responsibility someday. Throughout the series, you'll hear him continuously say, my throne, you know, I, I'm going to be Fire Lord. It's something he sees in his mind as, as a fact. So he wants to prepare himself, but they tell him he can't join in the war room. The guards refuse to let him enter. So what actually ironically starts his journey um, down this downward spiral is Uncle Iroh, his biggest defender, his de facto father throughout the series, the only person who truly loves him when all the chips are down. He's the one who tells him, yes, you, I'm going to bring you into the war room, but you have to stay quiet. And I think that's incredibly ironic because I, Iroh wants more than anything for him to find his own destiny and not take his father's destiny. But he's the one, because he lost his son and because he sees a, um, a pseudo son in Zuko, he's the one who's kind of like, okay, like I'll let you come into this. I want to do something nice for you. I can tell this will make you happy. He brings him in. Zuko ultimately speaks out in the Fire Lord's war room. Again, we're seeing Zuko's moral compass come to light because the generals are talking about a plan where they're going to uh, basically use a group of new recruits, a new recruit of Fire, uh, Fire Nation soldiers, and they're going to use them as a distraction and basically let them be wiped out so that they can mount an attack from the rear and win easily. They, they say He says there's nothing better to use um, as a distraction than fresh meat. And Zuko, horrified by this, says that uh, those people are, are soldiers that want to help the Fire Nation. They're, they're proud Fire Nation soldiers. What, we, we can't do this. This is, this, is, you know, this is immoral. This is terrible is what he's trying to speak up and say. And the, the Fire Lord becomes enraged. O, Ozai is, um, basically, so he sentences him to Agni Kai, which is uh, a Fire Nation tradition, which is basically like uh, a, a duel. A duel, yeah. The, like the duel of fates. Um, but again, we see a lot packed into a small scene. So I'm, I want to go over what I think at this point are three of the biggest traits of Zuko. I wrote them down as pride to the point of self-destruction, termination to the point of ignorance, and loyalty to the point of blindness. And I think that because of these traits, they're, they're negative traits that later on in the series, we'll see them flip them, flip them on their head and turn them into positives. But at the beginning of the series, they're negative traits. And he's in this flashback, he's he identifies with those soldiers. They have pride as Fire Nation soldiers. They're loyal to the Fire Nation. He wants to defend them because he sees himself in them and because the the good part of him doesn't understand sacrificing good people. You know, people, his loyalty to the Fire Nation is to protect the Fire Nation's people. That's how he sees it as a, as a monarch. Whereas Ozai as a monarch only sees the glorification of himself. He sees the glorification. Winning. Yeah, exactly. Conquering. Conquering. He sees so he sees the glorification of the Fire Nation, but as a means of bolstering himself. That's why he he continually he invents a new title at the end of the series just to glorify himself even further. Yeah. The Phoenix King. Like he is entirely a selfish character, whereas Zuko sees the point of learning to become Fire Lord is to serve the nation to serve the people. And eventually the even better, he'll learn to see it as serving the world throughout the series. This mm -hmm. is how, how far he comes to develop. Um, he goes from, I would say he goes from trying to serve the nation and then he gets outcast through this Agni Kai and goes to serve himself through capturing the avatar. And then through help of Aang and uncle Iroh and the, the series of events learns to want to serve the world and peace and balance by the end of the series, which is such a great arc. Yes. But ultimately, they do the Agni Kai. He ends up not fighting the general, but fighting his father, the Fire Lord himself. His father, as he says, teaches him a permanent lesson on his face, scars him on his face with the memory of, um, you know, his greatest failure, with the memory of his his father abusing him, fighting him, you know, that, and he, he has to remember that every day when he looks in the mirror. Other people have to remember that when they look at him, that yeah. uh, he's, that, that not Luckily only Luckily it doesn't seem like there's a lot of mirrors. Yeah, <laughs> in their world. But not only is it a memory of, you know, his failure as a prince and his uh, and his scarred, burned relationship, damaged relationship with his father, but it's a mark of his exile and his banishment of not being able to return home. So all of this wrapped up into something that he has that is actually permanently marked into his skin. And all this before we even get to the first episode. Now, the first episode of the series starts with him searching for the Avatar. He's basically, how would you describe him? Yeah, he's, he's, he's blinded by this sole goal of clearing his name in the eyes of his father and the fire nation. Like he wants to be accepted again. 
So he is out with Iroh and a few other Fire Nation soldiers looking for Aang. Yeah, and I think you're perfectly right in saying, he, you, you've been saying, you said twice now that he's going after redemption from his father. Yeah. Which throughout the series, he's saying, I want to restore my honor. I want to capture the Avatar. But he goes on to say when he actually confronts Ozai, he says, I thought I was trying to restore my honor, but I was really trying to get basically get your love back. Mm -hmm. And that's again part of Zuko's loyalty. Like Z Zuko highly values family. Yeah. And probably because he wants acceptance. Exactly. Which yeah. at the core, that's what everyone wants. Yeah. And, and Zuko doesn't really, it's hard to get acceptance elsewhere when you're in like the position he is, when you're, right. he's, he's in royalty. Especially when you're, you're the one trying to do the right thing and you get punished for it. Yeah. And that's, you that, know, that, that corrupts you, that, that makes it really hard. That messes up your moral compass. He's in a negative reinforcement cycle. Right. Literally every time he tries to do something good since Ursa's been gone, like you yeah. said, it's been punished. So there's only one thing that he can learn. On top of that, just like every Fire Nation child, he's literally been indoctrinated, like essentially brainwashed since childhood to think that yeah. the Fire Nation is the greatest nation in the world, that they, the, the war, the hundred year war that they're going on, that their imperialism, sacking the rest of the world basically, is to share their greatness with yeah. the world and improve the world and not... Again, that nature versus nurture, yeah, right? He's, like He's even taught, I think, in a sense that it, other people are... That the other nations are happy with this. Once they've been right. enveloped into the Fire Nation, that they're glad to be part of a stronger whole as they see it. So they think they're doing the, the world a favor. Yeah, <laughs> you're under our protection. Is it protection? <laughs> but um, that confrontation with with um, Ozai is a really good scene where uh, I'm, I'm skipping, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it later, but he really understands the world better at that point. And that allows him to help help the world. You can't, you can't really help something you don't understand. Right. So he's very confused, very lost at the beginning of the story. Like you said, he's, he's driven by a singular goal. Um, so much to the point that he's doing things that in his heart of hearts, I really don't think he, I think he hates doing. He he develops a lot of resentment even towards himself throughout the series. We'll see him reference that in the Ember Island episode. But he holds the the Water Tribe hostage. He steals Katara's mom's necklace. He threatens them in order to get to Aang. And this is a group of like women and children. All the soldiers of the Southern Water Tribe are gone. So it's it's really venomous, villainous. It's disgusting. Like there's the the things he's doing are truly reprehensible and i think that's part of why he has like this constant internal struggle cuz he's he's angry with himself i'm angry with myself and i don't know why like he he does he sees that there's no excuse for the things that he's doing now he we we start to see some of his colors shine early in the show in season, in, in book 1 when he's faced with different choices. Although capture, he's singularly driven by capturing the Avatar, there are moments where he's pulled in two different directions and he chooses something that he values to be more important. Now, um, when Iroh's captured by the Earth Kingdom, he decides to go try to save his uncle instead of trying to save Aang. And then when they're in the giant storm in the middle of the ocean, they see the Avatar and they ask, what are we going to do? He says that we have to get to safety to protect the crew. Because the conflict of that episode at the beginning is that he's prioritizing his mission. He says, he says to like one of his crew members, nothing is more important than capturing the Avatar. Like this mission is for the, the Fire Nation. No individual person on the ship is more important. But by the end of the episode, he prioritizes the crew. Um, and already having prioritized his uncle earlier in the season, we're kind of seeing that Zuko does care about people. He is moral, right? Like there, there's something underneath and they, they build that from very early on so that it's not a complete, you know, 180 character flip. That's what makes this redemption arc so good. Now we see what's under the surface here, but what's under the surface, it really isn't that important, right? Like it's like they say in Batman Begins, it's what we do that defines us. So he's still doing horrible things at this point in the series. Now, uh, the next thing that we see him do is say, the next big plot point I'd say is that he saves Aang from Zhao when he's in that prison. Um, you know, the episode with all the fantastic archers. Um, but he does this, again, still for selfish reasons. So we're seeing him cap taking the Avatar back because he can't let anyone else capture the Avatar. Otherwise, he'll have no chance at restoring his honor as he sees it. Now, he... He does this with the mask and the swords, right? The blue spirit. Yeah, yeah. so that way people don't know that it's him. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is interesting because that's... The blue spirit is kind of like this 
vigilante persona of Zuko where he can do things that Prince Zuko could never do. Right. Now he he can he can maybe help people even as the blue spirit. But um it's interesting that the color of the spirit is blue because the inherent color for fire is red, obviously opposing sides of the color spectrum, obviously indicative of good versus evil, the warring nature in between Zuko. Water versus fire. Water versus fire, yeah. So the so he saves Aang, and Aang has a really interesting conversation with him when Zuko's first reawakening consciousness. Um, let, let me explain this better. He saves Aang from imprisonment, but then Zuko's wounded by one of the archers hitting him I think in the face with an arrow, but he's wearing the, the the blue spirit mask. Zuko falls to the ground. Aang's able to see the scar, recognize that it's Zuko. Now, Aang has a, a choice here. He can run. There's he creates a giant cloud of plume of smoke, and he can escape and leave Zuko beh Zuko behind, or he can take the more difficult journey, put Zuko on his back and try to take him out because Zuko just saved him. I mean, obviously knowing Aang, Aang. Aang is a more complicated character than he gets credit for, but obviously he's going to make the decision to save Zuko here. Right. He takes Zuko out, and when Zuko awakens, uh, Aang has a conversation with him quickly where he says, one of the things I miss the most um, from before I was... <laughs> from one of the things I missed the most from before I was in, trapped in the iceberg was all the friends I used to have. I used to have a friend who I was really close with named Kuzan, and he was in the Fire Nation just like you. Do you think if it was 100 years ago, you and me could be friends just like we were? And Zuko jumps up and attacks him, and Aang escapes through the trees. But I think this is the first moment where Zuko starts to think of Aang as a, another person. Yeah, he's another kid. Yeah, and he starts to see him They're as They're both a, kids. As Zuko, I think, is 15 when the show starts, 15-ish, yeah. and Aang is 12. So they are both kids, like you said, and... I, he's he's seen him only, I think, as a goal, only as an objective and not as a person. But now he's seen that Aang saved him when he didn't have to. And imagine what would have happened to Zuko if Aang had left him there. He'd been a, branded even more of a traitor to the Fire Nation. He, he would have probably gone home and been in a cell for the rest of his life. Um, outcast, for sure, hated by his family. And Aang saved him from that fate when he didn't have to. So I think that this is the very first inkling, even though he attacks him immediately, of him starting to... Starting to see Aang, like I said, as a person and starting to consider what he'd have to do to truly... Because th their goal is to capture Aang. And, and to explain why, briefly, is they're going to keep him in captivity for the rest of his life. Because if you if they were to kill the Avatar, which is The their, cycle starts over. The cycle starts anew and they have and to... And they have to find the next Avatar. Now they have to find a waterbender Avatar, which could potentially even be more of a problem for the Fire Nation because water is their natural enemy. So right. I'd imagine they prefer to capture him, but they also don't seem to be too against killing him if they really have to. Right. Just to... Because we restart the cycle and now the, now the Avatar is going to be a baby. Yeah. You've got to save yourself another, you know, 10, 20 years. But the the next big plot point that we have to get to um, is, oh, this is a good one. Going to the Northern Water Tribe um, and then uh, taking Aang and trying to save Zhao in that series of events. That, that has one of the best lines in the show, in my opinion, in that series where he says, you rise with the moon. I rise with the sun. <laughs> um, but he, he takes Aang and... Without really a, a plan, as as Iroh mentions earlier, he says, when they're when they're in Bossing Say, Iroh says to him, You had the Avatar, and then you didn't know what to do next. And he was like, I would have figured something out. And Iroh says, No, if the Avatar's friends hadn't found you, you would have frozen to death. So we see Zuko's negative traits again, his brashness, his his um, stubbornness, um, impatience, kind of like headstrong heading into it. Yeah. It works. He gets the avatar, but where does he go now? He's in a frozen tundra as a firebender, you know, slowly freezing to death. And luckily when at night, at night, so, so luckily when the, when Katara and Sokka come and they find Aang, they decide to save Zuko too. Cause otherwise, like Iris said, he probably would have died out there in the snow. So he's, he's again being faced with wow, these people are choosing to save me when I do nothing but attack them. You know, that, that internal struggle growing more little by little. That's the great thing about this show and the great thing about TV in general. You can do so much more slow, realistic character development than you can do in a two-hour movie. Like, the, you, we really get to see these small things that are, that are turning Zuko. It, and it's such a little bit at a time that it feels so real because yeah. he still hates them. He's still hunting them after this. You know, it's still his primary goal. But... It's it's just that little bit, just little by little. It's getting harder and harder to fight the internal urge to do what's right. do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes his character arcs 
and character development, one of the best that's ever been written, is that it happened over time. And even though he was making this turn to the, the good side, he still slips. And he slips often. Yeah, and I think that's the the absolute to me the absolute best part of the character arc is when he slips because that's the most yeah. realistic. When you're whatever your goal is, whether you're trying to become a better person, become you know you're trying to get stronger, trying whatever it is, you you slip, you backslide, but that's part of life and that's right. real. Like that's what we need to believe it. If Zuko yeah. like if they saved him and he was like, wow, they saved me when they didn't have to, I'm gonna abandon the. 14 years of indoctrination I've had, the my, abandoned my family, abandoned, like, if he did all of that on a, on a whim, we it would be cheap. But it's right. but it's such a rewarding thing when we actually get to him joining the Avatar in book three because of the slips. Like, yeah, this, this whole story does a really, or series does a really good job of handling time. Yes. Right? Like, even Avatar Aang, he's the Avatar. He's master of all elements, but he's still learning all the elements from multiple people, multiple uh, masters. And even though he learns them relatively quick to an avatar, he still learns them throughout the entire series. Right, and he's still perfecting them, learning new techniques. And I don't even think he's perfected the, them really by the end of the show. Right. Maybe water. Yeah. But or, um, the, the cool thing about Zuko, like you said with the backslides, is basically throughout the entire first two seasons, we see this like counterbalance. It's like a, sh- there's like a shifting scale for, for he, we see him do something good. We see him do something bad. And so we see him, you know, prioritize the crew. And then we see him hunt down the avatar. We see him uh, try and we, we see him get saved by them. And then we see him try to save Zhao. He, when Zhao's being taken by the moon spirit, Zuko offers him his hand and Zhao has done nothing but turn his nose up at Zuko, treat him like an outcast, tell him like, basically try and ruin his life by trying to capture the avatar first, trying to give, reduce any chance he has to get back into his position and his family, but he still extends a hand to him. So like that is who Zuko is at his core. He's somebody who when push comes to shove, he, he won't cross a certain line and we see that line move. Before we continue into Zuko's character development and his arc and the story of Avatar The Last Airbender, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been listening and supporting this channel. We appreciate it so much. If you haven't already, make sure you head over and hit that subscribe button. We post new episodes every Monday and Thursday. Now, back to Zuko. All right. So the next thing, the next thing of big consequence that happens, I would say, is that Azula betrays him and Uncle Iroh. She offers him a chance to come onto the ship and come back to the Fire Nation, be accepted into his father's arms. But that stupid captain on that ship gives him away, saying, "Take the prisoners onto the ship." Um, and in this instance, Got him. we get to see the first instance of lightning bending, which is really cool. But we also see uh, Zuko being pushed away from his family. So if a lot of movies and shows would use one of the many things that they use for Zuko's character arc to have him reach his ultimate destination. But instead, Avatar uses all of them, and that's what makes it so good. He's got the internal battle between himself. He's got um, being pulled towards doing what's right by someone and and being pushed away from doing what's wrong, basically, unintentionally, because Azula and the Fire Lord are, are both showing disdain for him. Azula's mm-hmm. tricking him into coming back. That's pushing him away from the the bad path. And normally he could he could just take that anger at his family and join the Avatar and say, I want to get back into Zula. But he's such a complicated character and it's so well written that it's all of these many things that do it together. Um, yeah. So that also sparks the interest in uh, redirecting lightning from Zuko, which we'll see as a big plot point later. Um, but from here, you're into the sea of chi, which in my case is more like a vast ocean. <laughs> but um, but he. Him and, and Iroh eventually from here split ways because Iroh tells him that he has to figure out his own path and Zuko kind of twists that and interpretates and interpretates and, and, inter- <laughs> and interprets it that he needs to be alone to find his own path. So this is where he cuts his hair, highly symbolic moment for both of them. They, they Well, actually he cuts his hair first because they don't want to be recognized. But then after having a conversation with Iroh, they, they part ways. It's another thing the show does great. 
is the realistic time that it takes for hair to grow back. Yeah, his hair grows back <laughs> so many episodes. All of yeah. two, his hair is growing. Yeah, like at, like at first he has like a basically a fade, like a, mm -hmm. a, like short all around. It, it's it's so awesome that they take the time to do that because yeah. it really makes you feel the weight of time. Right, every time you see him and his hair. Even when different. Avatar Aang's hair grows out, you I know it's like a little hair. by little. Yeah. Or uh, Sokka at the end, yeah. where like his sides are now grown, grown out, out. Yeah. like. It, it does a good job, like you said, of showing how much time has passed. Yeah, and absolutely. it just adds to more realism. Yeah, and, and the character development, too, when the hair is part of the story. Like, Zuko's hair is up and tight when he's in the Fire Nation, when he's in the palace, and he's regal. His hair is, even when he's just on the ship in the early parts of the show, his hair is always up. And then later on, as he is, you know, rebelling against the Fire Nation, we see, see his hair down a lot more in, like, kind of more that rebellious state. So just all these little character things. It makes you love the show so much. Yeah. Um, the but, amount of detail is crazy. Oh, the detail For a is, kids the, show? The detail is come so, on. so rich. But come on. He's, um, <clears throat> well, even before he separates from Iroh too, I want to touch on the, the fact that um, when Iroh accidentally eats the poison berries, they meet this family. And the girl there, she goes to touch his scar. And he like grabs her hand quickly. Um, and she shows him that she has her own scar from the Fire Nation. So I think a big thing about Zuko's travels um, is one, him getting an understanding culturally of the different nations. He gets to see what other people are going through at the hands of the Fire Nation and see the struggles that the common world deals with that he hasn't maybe understood from a position of royalty. Yeah, and then he sees the impact of the Fire Nation on those other nations. Yeah, he sees what people truly think about them, which turns his perspective a lot. And also, people tend to identify with Zuko just because of his scar. People who don't know who he is, mm -hmm. people from the Earth Kingdom especially, it's shown as they they see that scar not knowing like, he's Prince. Wow, they've hurt you too. Yeah, and, and that's, that's him connecting with the rest of the world um, in a way that he honestly doesn't connect with his own family. Mm -hmm. So like, Jet and this girl who's, I wish I could remember her name, but Jet and the girl who was also burned by the Fire Nation, and even in the Zuko Alone episode when he meets Lee, all of them are kind of like, my family's been hurt by the Fire Nation, or I've been personally hurt by the Fire Nation, and they've hurt you too. That's a bond we inherently share. Yeah. But not knowing for, at that moment in time when they share that bond that he was burned by his own father, who's the Fire Lord. And that kind of helps further that divide and that that war in Zuko is that he, he kind of has this allegiance with strangers almost in a sense because of shared pain, which is very, very, you know, a valuable connection when you, even with a stranger. Um, but then finally getting to the point where him and Uncle Iroh separate, um, that's where we get the Zuko alone episode, which as I said before, is one of the most important episodes for his character development. Um, I think one of the coolest things that in that episode is that he, they show him starving, his like stomach's grumbling, his cheeks are getting hollow. And he comes upon uh, a family, uh, or he comes upon a, upon a man who's cooking, and then he sees that his wife is there and she's pregnant. And then he, because he, he, he reaches for his sword when he sees the man with food, and then when he sees that it's a family and that she's pregnant, he um, he kind of resigns himself and he's, he's I'm going to continue on my journey and I'll find food somewhere else even though I'm starving. Um, he does, but the other thing about that too is he could have walked up to them and asked for food, but his, <laughs> but his pride is so much so that he couldn't accept food as charity. Right. And because he's a, he, in his mind, he's a prince to be king or to be fire lord. Mm -hmm. um, and so he continues on his journey where he meets Lee, which at the time he's going by Lee. So that's why he doesn't really give his name to these people because he'd be too coincidental to have two Lees. Um, but he, he meets Lee and Lee brings him back to his house. Um, to kind of repay him for what, what he does is he takes credit for a prank that uh, that Lee plays on some Earth Nation soldiers, some like um, some guys who are kind of like abusing their power. And and so he, he takes the brunt of that punishment from those guys. And then Lee takes him back to his family um, where what they do is they they say the, the mom notices that he's hungry, but she's very clever. Instead of offering him food, she says, well, you can go and help and help my husband with the roof, and then when you're done, we'll, we'll have dinner. And this Zuko can accept. I think it's so <laughs> wise of this random character because if he does work for it, then he can let himself eat. If she had just offered him food, his pride would not allow, have allowed him to say yes, and he would have got back on the ostrich horse and, and left. <laughs> I think that's what, it, what that animal would be. But, um, but what it looked like. he does a really crappy job of working on the roof because he's never really worked with his hands in that sense. Um, and, and they get an excuse to feed the person who their son brought home because they're just right. kind people. Um, but the the bigger plot point of that episode is is Zuko actually 
as the son of the fire lord ends up protecting these uh, earth nation people from the earth nation soldiers who are corrupt so it's it's kind of like this total 180 turn on its head not even zuko protecting protecting them from the fire nation but protecting them from corrupt earth nation shoulders where soldiers where this show shows the the villainy on all sides such a good complicated episode it shows that in war like it's all about perspective. These Earth Nation, there can be corrupt Earth Nation soldiers just like there can be corrupt Fire Nation soldiers. So, yeah. um, and it also shows the the villain of the show being the hero and saving them from the corrupt Earth Nation shoulder, soldiers. So it's this complete juxtaposition where he has to use firebending in his fight to defend the family, um, where Lee is like tied up, and and then everyone quickly turns on him, and and he's and he announces himself and says. I'm Zuko, son of Ursa and Fire Lord Ozai, heir to the throne. Like, still at this point in the show, after everything we've already talked about, still feeling pride in his country and pride in his position in the royal family. Um, enough so to shout it out in front of all these people. And they reject him immediately because they're Earth Nation. They say, they say, you're not Prince of the Fire Nation. You're, you're a, a traitor. You're an outcast. And Zuko's humbled again. And, and when he tries to give the, the knife... Uh, from uncle, that Uncle Iroh had given him on to Lee, Lee says, I hate you. I won't take it. And Zuko here, I think, is the main point where he learns the lesson that he'll go on to convey to his father when he confronts Fire Lord Ozai during the Day of Black Sun. He says, uh, you guys created this story that the Fire Nation is the greatest country in the world and the war is our way of sharing that greatness with the world, but they hate us. The world rejects what we're doing. This episode, I think, is where he learns that. And he learns that, he also learns that it won't be so simple to redeem himself if he wanted to. One act of kindness won't undo everything that he's done and won't undo everything the Fire Nation has done. Mm -hmm. But I think I think learning how they all view the Fire Nation informs his journey in the, the third season, the book three, where his, his journey ceases to be about redeeming himself and begins to be about redeeming the Fire Nation. So... Uh, I, I just really love that episode. And I'm going to kind of skip ahead here to he reunites with Iroh. They go into Bossing Say as refugees. They start the tea shop. Um, he, through his adventures as the Blue Spirit in Bossing Say, he learns that um, Appa is in Bossing Say, which would mean that the Avatar Aang is going to be in Bossing Say. So he tries to go after Appa to get to Aang. When he gets to Appa um, underneath Lake Laogai, he has a very important, deep, informative conversation with Uncle Iroh, where Uncle Iroh says, he literally begs him again, just like the, the mother asked him to be true to himself in the beginning. The angel's on his shoulder again. Iroh says, I, I implore you to look inward, look for, do what you want. Do, do what is right for you, not what's right for someone else. Like begin asking yourself the big questions. Who are you and what do you want is what Iroh says to him. So he has to, for once, like, Think about what Zuko would do, I guess, in a sense, and rather than what Azula or Ozai would do. And he ends up letting Appa go and setting Appa free. And this real big act of kindness and act of, it's basically relinquishing searching for the Avatar in a sense, which has been like his core moral compass for his a huge part of his life. It send, Do you remember this? It sends him into literally being physically ill. That <laughs> Uncle Iroh says, you're going through a metamorphosis. Your body and your mind are at war within themselves. And he's literally like physically sick, like on the floor, passed out, dying. He's like, ah. Yeah. Like, ju like just from doing something nice. <laughs> yeah. It's all that internal conflict, you know, coming to the surface. Yeah. And emotionally, he just doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. My, uh, my fiance, Sierra, once said to me, she's like, remember that time when Zuko got physically sick just from doing one nice thing? <laughs> like, that's, that's literally what it is. Like, so... Um, Uncle Iroh tells him, though, when you come out of this, you're going to be the beautiful prince that you're always meant to be. Uncle Iroh, just like Zuko, still always seeing him as the prince, as the heir to the throne. Maybe even Iroh from the beginning seeing him as the way to redemption for the entire Fire Nation, because that's what Iroh implores him to do. Because mm -hmm. Iroh loves his nation. Iroh's on the exact same journey that Zuko's on, just further ahead. Yeah. Like Iroh, we see him in the flashback literally laughing at the idea of burning Ba Sing Se to the ground, people's homes, people's nation, their city. And he's laughing about burning it to the ground and losing his son, losing Lu Ten, and coming back home and, you know, everything he learns also from being part of the White Lotus, he 
transforms from being this this person who the, basically the idea of what putting his nation first and fighting for his nation is transforms in his mind. It goes from sharing that glory with the world, conquesting the world to um, restoring balance to the world and putting the, giving the Fire Nation its place in the world. And he has a perfect understanding of balance, unlike anyone in the show, really, where he explains to Zuko the way that you can um, redirect lightning is through balance. It's through utilizing techniques found studying the other nations. Every nation has its own strength. You know, the the people of the the water tribe are adaptable and smooth. The people of the Earth Nation are strong and formidable. Like, take these traits and combine them and you will have balance, which will be true strength. So Iroh passes this on to Zuko. Like I said, being further along in the same journey, it gives Zuko a lot of benefits to learn from yeah, him. Yeah, it makes him the perfect mentor. Literally perfect. He's the perfect mentor in general to anyone, <laughs> by the way. But Zuko goes on to embody these all perfectly in the final Agnikai episode where he's against the Zula. Um, but before we get to that, let's see if there's any... Okay, another big plot point is the confrontation that he faces in the Crystal Caverns. Um, Zuko has the opportunity. Zula literally gives him the choice. Uh, she says, you, you can help me defeat the Avatar and come back home as a hero and father will embrace you or you can be a traitor. And she's like, the decision is yours and literally walks away. Doesn't force his hand at all. Um, so with Azula on one side and Ira on the other, this is one of the best moments in his character story, in my opinion. It's one of those, it's the biggest backslide he has. Because he's just set Appa free, just decided that he's going to find his own journey, and he jumps back on the train of being on um, the the Fire Nation's journey, being on the the Ozai journey. Mm -hmm. He goes and helps Azula. He attacks Aang, or and ends up he ends up fighting Katara. Well, yeah. the, the, so Aang and Azula fight, or I'm sorry, Zuko Rewind. and Azula fight Aang and Katara. Yeah. Um, but. It's just this is a, where Aang gets that uh, scar on his back, right? Yeah, Azula hits him with the lightning when he's in the Avatar state. This sets Aang back tremendously. Um, and Zuko uh, seemingly sets him up, leaps and bounds forward because him, so, supposedly they killed the Avatar is the story they go back telling. Zuko, um, Azula cleverly gives credit to Zuko because they're not sure that he's really dead and that puts all the weight on him. Mm -hmm. um, so he comes back a hero to the Fire Nation, embraced by his dad, seemingly getting everything he wants. He's allowed into the war room to be part of the conversations. He sits at the head of the table next to his dad. But like he says in the Ember Island episode, he's more angry than ever and he doesn't know why. And they're like, angry at who? Angry at me? Angry at dad? And this is where he has the great eruption. One of my favorite lines in the series is, I'm angry at myself. That's this Zuko is struggling with, I think, issues, honestly, of self-hatred, like mm -hmm. self-loathing. Like he's he's betrayed not only what he knows to be right, but the one person who stood by him and taught him and the one person who was there when no one else was, which is Uncle Iroh. And I think that's the I think betraying Uncle Iroh was what made him realize that he wasn't doing what his mother asked him to do. Like. Maybe he could have got away with convincing himself that kill, even killing the Avatar or or siding with Azula was what he was meant to do. But he has to know that this can't be his true destiny when it involves betraying the only person who's been there for him. Yeah, sometimes like, when you've been working be for something for so long and then you finally get there, it's it's almost underwhelming to the point where it can kind of put you in like this depression, you know, because that journey that you've been on for him for 12 13 15 years it's over yeah. you know you, you made it you got it but now what but that's what's impactful about this what, what was the cost to get there for him that's what the, is impactful about him being introspective and turning back and saying i'm angry at myself is that he has those feelings when he's given everything that he seemingly wanted right like he's at the top of the world now he's a, he's prince of the fire nation but he's being introspective in that moment in the moment where it's easiest not to be. And I think that's what makes him such a good character is deciding is he's clearly racked with guilt because he's internally a good person, but his actions aren't reflecting that. Mm -hmm. So he's going, he's going to the prison to visit his uncle, taking out his anger on him. You could have been here with me. Like you made this decision. You're groveling in the dirt now. And but he's he's projecting his own insecurity with himself onto his uncle. Yeah. And what and you know, he really wants to be there with his uncle, but he knows that. He's, he knows that because he made the wrong decision, he they're on different paths now. Meanwhile, Iroh's putting in the work. 
getting bills. <laughs> Jack. That guy. <laughs> yeah, Ira gets huge. It's, the prison sequence is, is one of my favorite parts of the show. There's so, oh my gosh. It's it's amazing. He's, when, he, when he takes off the robes and he's got the pillow falls down, he's just huge. Yep. But so that's Ira's journey to becoming <laughs> the world's buffest old man. Uh, but Zuko, we, we get a lot of characterization. Even though I don't like the Ember Island episode that much, we get a lot of characterization for him where we understand that like his his internal conflict is hitting a boiling point. It's more than ever. And then that boiling point erupts when the Day of Black Sun comes. He confronts his father like we already talked about. Um, and Ozai baits him into staying there. So Zuko's already betraying a lot of the negative character traits that originated in the show at this point in the series. He's a lot wiser. He's 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 foregone the stubbornness and began acceptance. So in that conversation with his dad, he shows a lot of moral character where he's like, um, in the lines where he says, um, it's, it's not my destiny to defeat you. Like, I know my own destiny. He says, I'm going to go train the Avatar. Uh, so Ira, or, uh, Ozai says something like, if you're so steadfastly against me, why don't you just t strike me down now while I can't bend? And he's like, because I know my own destiny. And he goes to turn around and leave. So already showing his acceptance, um, his his you know newfound wisdom. He's like, I'm I'm gonna go train the Avatar. I know what I'm meant to do. Because just like Iris says later, they would see it as an act of the monarchy, a brother defeating mm -hmm. a brother or a son defeating a father taking the throne. What he knows needs to happen is the the symbol of peace for the world. The Avatar needs to needs to overthrow the Fire Lord. Yeah, and his destiny is to stop Azula. Yeah, and at the same time save Katara. Yeah. And also to train the Avatar on, on the way there to that to that eventual goal. So he he goes to leave, but I and Ozai is baiting him to stay back. But he's like he's like, oh why don't you why don't you stay here and fight me? Like if you had if you were proud, if you were strong, but the only thing he says that can get his attention is don't you want to know what happened to your mother? And that's when Zuko turns around because that's something that he cares about more than his pride. Um, and he gets him to stay there long enough at, where Ozai strikes him with the lightning. But Zuko is able to redirect the lightning, send it back at his father and escape. Now he, at this point in the story, he approaches the uh, the Aang gang. And I would say really, we've only reached about 50% of his actual character development at this point, even though it's all the way in like partway through like book three. 93% yeah. through the story. The biggest part of his character development, in my opinion, is when he comes to join them and has to prove himself to each individual member of the Aang gang. Because first he approaches them and they completely reject him. So he, he lays himself bare at their feet and says, I accept any punishment that you guys think is deserved, which this is just true act of humility, which again is completely turning his pride on his head. You know, literally the, the, the prince of the Fire Nation on his knees in front of them, in front of his sworn enemies. So this is already like a, a huge journey that he's taken to get here because he's this is the only way really to alleviate himself of that guilt he's feeling is to finally do what's right, you know? And, and luckily Iroh has taught him so well that he has, he now has like the four, and he, he, he directs the, the fortitude, determination, and the singular focus of mind that he directed towards capturing the Avatar to earning their forgiveness. He's living out in the woods, he's remaining nearby, he's staying vigilant, continually like comes to them 100% willing to give himself to them. And they reject him. But when Toph comes to speak with him, he accidentally burns her, um, her feet, no less, which to her is her eyes. Mm -hmm. And, um, this is where Aang finally accepts him because he comes back to speak with them and he's like, as a firebender, I need to learn to be more careful and make sure I don't hurt people unintentionally. And Aang says, this is exactly what I wanted to teach her because the experience I had with Zhang Zhang where I accidentally burned Katara that made me never want to firebend again. I need a teacher who understands just how wrong things can go. I need a teacher who understands like- The potency of fire. Exactly. Like, and, and, and Zuko understands he says, I need someone who can understand how easily like I could hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And Zuko understand what it's understands what it's like not only to hurt with firebending, but to hurt the people closest to him, you know, in terms of just living his life. Like yeah. the way he thinks that he hurt Iroh, the way that he that he hurt May by abandoning her. Um, and so this is exactly what Aang's looking for in a teacher, and they team up. Now, these individual journeys, Zuko learns to reflect things that he has learned on his own journey. He learns to reflect them onto, onto individual paths that Aang is on, 
that um, that Sokka is on and that Katara is also on. And we get such good arcs with each of them individually where although they accept them onto the team, they don't accept them like really into their hearts until they take these individual journeys. Mm -hmm. which, one the, which one's your favorite? Because I feel like it's, I know Sierra, my fiance, her favorite is Katara. The, yeah. But the one he takes with Aang to learn the true nature of firebending and the one he takes with Sokka to the prison are both really good. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen both of them, but I did rewatch the very last episode and it was funny when Toph was like, I want to go on my uh, Zuko adventure. And then they went for a walk. Him. They went for a walk and she's like telling him about her past. And he's like, look, I get that you had a sad childhood, but can we focus on finding Aang? I felt so bad for her with that line. She didn't get hers. Yeah, hey, she, she didn't. Had, she had a tough upbringing too. But Zuko learns the true nation, true nation of fire, which is like creation and energy and, and it's right. not destruction which seems to be the way the fire nation is using it in general so he learns much more beautiful uh respect for fire after meeting the the dragons with ang um and then with his journey with katara he's there supporting katara trying to earn her forgiveness and and he sees like the wrongs like he the, he sees the wrongs that the fire nation has enacted on other people katara and Sokka losing their mother which he can identify with obviously because the fire nation took his mother too that's what he says to katara in the crystal caverns mm -hmm. um but then his journey with Sokka, he refuses he, he shows his loyalty time and time and again to this new group he refuses to leave when he has the chance to leave Sokka, and Sokka wants to stay and, and save his dad he stays with Sokka too like he's steadfast and loyal the same like i said the same dedication that he put towards capturing the avatar he puts into earning the forgiveness of the entire team and he is just he's so good in this arc where he he works their way into all their hearts like he's worked the way into the hearts of the viewer already before he joins the Aang gang um and then beyond that he's even he's he's convincing ang to try he's basically convincing ang after that to kill his father that he mm -hmm. says Thomas, he's gonna have to it's gonna be kill or be killed um which that's my favorite moment for ang in the series is ang's refusal to do that but that's for another episode for the ang dissection <laughs> Let's let's talk about. I've, I alluded at it earlier already, but let's talk about the Zuka Azula fight the at the, the end battle there, because that kind of to me completes the whole character arc, the character journey. Because Azula and Zuko are on this like parallel path, but going in opposite directions. Azula's going into madness, basically, further, right. further into villainy. Like they, Zuko started with rage when we first saw him. And then Azula is like ending with that rage yeah. because in the beginning she had control and yeah. power. Composure. Right. And the skill necessary to be the strongest one. And it they crossed paths. They went the opposite way to where now he's the one who is controlled, who has the resolve, the technique, the experience, the wisdom, and she is decaying. Yeah. She's slipping, as he says. So, like, let's talk about that last battle. He goes up to Azula right as she's about to be crowned the Fire Lord. Yeah, the coronation. And I think that the, his decision... He's like, right? you're not going to be Fire Lord today. <laughs> I am. <laughs> let's go. His decision there really informs the character, though, more so in, in the reasoning than in the actual decision, because he tells Katara, I'm going to take her one-on-one. -on -one. And she's like, it's bait. And he's like, no, trust me, I can do it. She's slipping. And But he says a key thing after that, which is... And if I do it this way, no one else has to get hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's really key because Zuko at the beginning of the show would have said, I have to fight her one-on-one -on -one for my honor. Right. But by the end of the show... It's, yeah, he, didn't, he didn't care about anyone yeah, else. Exactly. And by the end of the show, it's, it's only about everyone else. It goes right. from only caring about himself to prioritizing others above himself. And I have to do this. This is my journey, my destiny. And I have to do it in a way where I'm the only one at risk. Of course, because Azula is Azula, she draws Katara into the fight. And, and Katara has to fight, which that's that's Zuko's sacrificial moment. Like I said, mm -hmm. any one thing they would have done, like like Zuko trying to help her with the mother, or Zuko apologizing, or Zuko at the end sacrificing himself by jumping in front of the lightning and redirecting it to save Katara. Which, gosh darn things, it, man, he is fast. Yeah, dude. Oh, I mean, faster than lightning. <laughs> any one of those things would have been a character redemption arc in their own. Right. But because this show is Avatar The Last Airbender, it has to be all of them. And it's just, that fight is so amazing because like everyone's pointed out before, we get to see Zuko embody 
different stances from the different elements. And Zuko's learned so much from his time traveling around the world. What, what he thought was his biggest punishment is actually becoming his biggest strength. He knows the strength of, of, of adapting, of being flexible, yeah. of redirecting energy like an airbender. He, he says that at the end to his father, Fire Lord Orzai, when he doesn't have his bended anymore and he's in the prison and Zuko is now the Fire Lord, he said, banishing me is the greatest thing that could have happened to me. You know, and, and, stuff. and that in the beginning was the, the sole thing that he wanted to like redeem himself from. But now because of the journey, because of the people he encountered and because of the self-development, it's now the greatest thing that's happened to him. And that's the best thing about Zuko's entire arc is that they literally take everything about him and his journey and flip it on its head and do like a 180 with all of it, but in such a realistic way too. Yeah. And, and. Not only do they do that with Zuko, but the writers of Avatar The Last Airbender do that with all the characters involved. Like, the more we talk about it, the more you watch it, the more you realize, like, this is some of the best writing ever. And also giving everybody their own time for that is really difficult to do. And giving everybody the writing focus from yeah. a different character perspective. But Zuko's ending to his journey is that he he wins this fight with Katara um, and... In doing so, he stops Azula from becoming the Fire Lord and takes over as the Fire Lord himself. So I think he's a great embodiment at this point of balance. You know, mm -hmm. he was he originally started with balance um, with the warring sides of good and evil. And now he's kind of balanced in terms of like reason and passion. Yeah. Like he's got all this fire in him, but he's also got the wisdom and control to balance it. Yeah. So but he's still like conflicted, like even though he's gone through this huge character arc and he's seemingly a new person in the comics, we pick up with the promise, which is where he talks to Aang saying, Hey, if I ever do anything that represents my father and what he would have done as fire King or fire Lord, I need you to kill me. But, the, but wow, that's powerful. I, I haven't read those yet. So yeah. you know more about it than I do. That's really interesting to hear. But the thing about Zuko is that even they, they make it so authentic to a real life human being, because despite how much we do see him change, the core of Zuko is still, we still see. He still has that self-doubt. He still has the self-doubt, the anger, the fiery passion. Like He wants to still be accepted. The anger is still there. The roughness is still there. He's like, he's telling Aang, like, you have, you're going to have to kill my father, even though he's come to so much development. He's, he's not like, he hasn't turned into, he hasn't completely turned into Aang. He's still Zuko, you know? Right. There's still that. There's still that dark side to him, despite yeah. how much he's grown. And even we'll see him at the end, like basically threatening his father. He's like, you're going to tell me about my mother. Like that, that, that darkness. Which picks up into the second exactly, comic, yeah. the search. <laughs> that, that darkness is still in Zuko, which is what makes him so good. But there's a line at the end of the show that I want to address about why I think Zuko is so amazing, especially in the context of the show. When he's speaking and addressing the audience, he says, I promised my uncle I would restore the honor of the Fire Nation. A hundred years of war has left the world scarred and divided. So for one thing, the promise to his uncle um, is, uh, is now about restoring the honor of the Fire Nation and not himself. And it's, his journey's become completely selfless while still being about something he's very passionate about, his country. And on the other hand, a hundred years of this of the of war, excuse me. A hundred years of war has left the nation scarred and divided. That's exactly how Zuko started the show. He was scarred and divided. And by the end of the show, he's now the perfect person to take the nation on the same journey to redemption that he took. And I think that is that wording is small but so beautiful from the writers that they fit it in there so perfectly. Because it's something that I I haven't noticed until I was literally watching you play it in the living room just now having watched the show probably four times, I think. Yeah. Like, there's so many things you can pick out of the show, whether it's character development or whether it's, like, culturally for the individual nations over time as you watch the show again and again. Yeah. And, and all this that we said, still, we didn't even get to talk in-depth about the individual journeys, about saving Hakoda and Suki um, from the... Fire Nation prison about him sitting in the cooler in that prison, you know, accepting that punishment easily. We haven't got to talk about um, him setting the combustion man on them and then fighting and saving them from combustion man. So we haven't got to talk about even some more of the additional conflicts. When we wrote this down, there's 20 plot points and that is probably missing, you know, another 30 yeah. plot points for Zuko that are in and the, the show's not even like 100% focused on him. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's so much happens and the, each episode is only 23 minutes long. He's like 
in the top five most important characters. Yeah. Like he, like, I mean, when you look at the show, Aang is the, the number one focus, but then there's still maybe another one or two people that have more focus in the show over Zuko. Right. Which, so it's crazy that he got this much character development and turned out as good as he did. Yeah. Amazing show. This was a fun episode. I'm glad that we, this is our first time doing like an actual character dissection. Hopefully this is a reoccurring series. If you liked us kind of diving into one character and talking about their development, their arc, how they were written, let us know in the comments down below and we can do it more, whether it's for other characters in Avatar The Last Airbender or other characters in other movies and shows. Uh, Andrew has... Uh, wanted to do this for a while, so it was cool that we were actually finally able to put it together and do it with one of our favorite shows. Um, Andrew, do you have anything to add for the end of this episode? Yes. I wanted to name the creators of Avatar Last Airbender just to credit them for the creation of this character. So um, I want to make sure I don't pronounce last names incorrectly. That's why I looked it up. Um, so series created by Michael DiMartino and Brian... Wow, I'm still going to mispronounce it. Uh, Brian Konoitsko? I'm I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm sorry in advance. But that's the the creators for Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, and I just wanted to credit them for making some of the best characters and one of the best shows of all time. Yes, thank you everyone for listening to this whole episode. If you made it this far, we really appreciate it. Leave us a comment down below of what you thought of the episode, what you think of Zuko, and maybe other uh, characters that you think have had equal to or greater character arcs as Zuko. We post new episodes every Monday and Thursday on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else you get your podcasts. So make sure you check us out there. We're on social media every single day posting clips um, so you can interact with us there as well. Thank you so much for watching and that's, that's a wrap. wrap.